Hello, and welcome to Cinemondo Explores Star Trek with Kathy, Mark, and Burke. Today's episode, Where No Man Has Gone Before, Stardate 1312.4. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. How are you? Cool. Pretty good. <laughs> another I'm doing episode. good. This is, yeah, this is another, this is actually another pilot. This is considered the second pilot. Even though this is the, um, this I think maybe the s- third episode that aired. It, it, it's the third episode that aired, yes, for sure. It aired on uh, September 22nd, 1966, by the way. So wow. third week, Star Trek was on the air. Mm-hmm. This is Thursday the third nights. episode people saw of Star Trek, but it was actually the first one that William Shatner shot. They had shot that other, they had done that other uh, pilot that we already talked about uh, called The Cage with a different actor playing the captain. So this is the first, you know, Captain Kirk episode, which is interesting because, you know, you've already seen two episodes that were filmed later, which is bizarre because the characters go back to being (laughs) kind of unformed in this episode. Why would they do that? I don't know. I think I, I can't really figure it out. Maybe they just felt like they liked those other those other episodes were stronger, and they wanted to start with a stronger episode. Or, but I would I mean, feel it doesn't it. hurt it really that much. I mean, I feel there's not a, like a mythology or through line that is out of order. Really, I mean, I haven't really noticed that. Well, you don't have bones in this episode. You right. have a different doctor. Okay, right. so he's he's not there. Spock is back to his you know yelling screaming self with right. his crazy. <laughs> so he, yeah. Um, there's, you know, Kelso, who is like the helmsman. I don't think uh, you know, Sulu is not, you know, at the helm of the Enterprise. It's that guy Kelso, who I thought was like in more episodes, but his, this was his only episode. And, and then, Sulu um, plays a, just a physicist kind of in the background. He has a couple of lines, but yeah. he's, he, he seems to be one of the people that's visiting the Enterprise. It's just being a science nerd. Yeah, yeah. He's not. He's not. A, he's not. A, he's not on the bridge. And also, the outfits are different. You know, they got the nice yeah. kind of combed, combed cotton, mock turtlenecks. You know, and they look, look before they go, before they went to the more you know, uh, you know, polyester stuff. Yeah. So, and they hadn't really gotten the colors right. I mean, the colors down yet because Spock is still wearing the sort of golden suit, and so is Scotty. Scotty went on most of the episodes wearing red. And uh, Spock wore um, his classic blue, and Kirk stayed in the in the sort of gold shirt. And it sort of marked, you know, blue was always like science and medical, and uh, and then red was what they called ship systems, which was which included, you know, engineering and security, I guess. So they hadn't quite ironed that stuff out. And the other interesting thing about this episode is the props. They had not yet developed the new classic look of the phasers and the communicators. Those classic, you know, flip phone phase, I mean, communicators and the cool, you know, phasers that everybody remembers. They're still using the old style phasers from the first pilot. Yeah, it's like they just, you know, I mean, they shot this whenever, a year after the first pilot, I think. Yeah. And they just went went with the same sort of stuff. And then, hey, we're, the show's actually a go. So they kind of like, okay, we have to sort of change things, I guess. Yeah. Well, I guess the network they, said they didn't want anything. They wanted a little less erotic. Oh. <laughs> I guess that first episode with, you know, finding a mate, and it was just too much for people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, this episode has two, you know guests who you know are this is their only time uh, you know on the enterprise you know gary lockwood and sally kellerman are yeah. major characters they're like more major they're just as major as anybody else in this yeah you know yeah. 
and, and they're really, great. Really great, you know, great casting on this mm-hmm. show. As as we've always said, every time we talk about the show, we're like, the casting is really great, <laughs> and it stays great all the way through the series. But you know, Sally Kellerman and Gary Lockwood are just great in this. They're both, um, they both have this gravitas that when when this strange strangeness happens to them, you really believe that they have this power, you know, and yeah. I guess we should recap quickly. They get a um, the the episode is about um, the Enterprise exploring, and they get a signal from a from a ship that that they believe has been lost for two hundred years, an Earth ship, and they were like, "How the hell did it get out here on the edge of the galaxy?" <laughs> and so they go out there and they go to the edge of the galaxy. I think one of the only times they ever talked about leaving the galaxy on the show. And they go through this strange barrier that gives crew members um, superpowers. It's another, you know, kind of like Charlie X, where somebody has extreme superpowers and godlike. In this one, they use the word god a lot, you know, godlike powers. And, uh, you know, how do you fight something like that? And uh, so Gary Lockwood, you know, good friend of Kirk's, has this power, and there's this dilemma, you know, what do I do? He's my friend. It's a really good episode. I like how they, they kept saying ESP, like it's sort of scientific. Yes, espers. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, what about your, do you have any knowledge about extrasensory perception? That's ESP. Right. <laughs> like, like we didn't know. <laughs> and supposedly Gary, you know, Mitchell, as his character, Gary Lockwood's character, he was, you know, an old friend of Kirk. He evidently has a, he's, like, he's off the charts with that, you know, right. like his ESP is. And so, and also uh, Sally Kellerman's character, Dr. Dana, also has that. So that's why they get affected where the other ones, everybody else doesn't, you know, right. but he gets affected first. I like when she like, comes on and it's like, she's the scientist, the science officer as a woman, and they're all kind of like smirking a little bit. And then she's, you know, she's like, yes, I have some, I have some ESP. Yeah. <laughs> like, do you? <laughs> yeah, so you're I, a really good scientist. I dabble. <laughs> well, when she went, I dabble in ESP. <laughs> it's, a, it's a hobby. Sometimes. I know what you're thinking right now. Yeah. <laughs> But it's great. I think the the effect where you know they go through that barrier and he get you know uh, Gary Mitchell goes down and his eyes turn that silver color. Yeah, that was know. cool. That's, That's a great. A really it's cool a effect. it's a really great effect. It still works. You yeah. Know, like, um, you know, I guess they actually put something on his eyes. I mean, they is that did. what they did? They use actual what they call sclera lenses that actually go on your eyeball. They're bigger than uh, than contact lenses because they cover your whole. The whole front of your eyeball. There's a couple of shots where you can see that they're out of alignment a little bit, but mm. the uh, but that kind of makes it weirder looking because when you look at them really close, you can see they have this kind of iridescent, um, kind of like mosaic look to them. But there's a black dot in the middle, a tiny black dot, and that was a a hole in in it so that the actor could see. And Gary Lockwood, you know, there's a there's a kind of an affectation that he does that kind of adds to the character when he when he's got his godlike powers where he sort of tilts his head in a weird way and tilts yeah, his yeah. head back and he looks and it's almost this sort of like you know like he feels you know, regal and and godlike well, it's, a con- it's a con it's a condescension yep. yeah like he's looking down his nose at everybody and yeah. But the but the fact is there's a there was an interview with him where he was saying that the reason he had to do that was because he couldn't see, and that when he tilt he had to tilt his head back to see anything. So it became a thing where it was like that was part of the that was part of the character of the godlike the godlike Gary. 
Yeah. Well, I'd love well, the idea that, you know, think about it, though. If someone is, you know, has this kind of power and he's able to, he's like reading like a million books a day or something and, you know, looking through all the, he's just reading file after file really fast. You have that kind of power. Like, how are you going to get around everyone else? Like, well, how's everyone else going to get around him? Because he's going to read their minds, knows what they're up to. What would you do in my place? Probably just what Mr. Spock is thinking now. Kill me. Well, you can. And it's like, and he, you know, and they think that's what happened to the other ship, that yeah. the captain didn't react fast enough. And, you know, they keep kind of advising Kirk, you have to kill your friend. He's like, no, I can't kill him. And it's like, yeah, but, you know, <laughs> it's like, if you don't kill him, he's going to, you know, go crazy and, and destroy everything like they did the other ship. So it's got a, a kind of cool, creepy deadline to it. Yeah, and how do you how do you fight something that can anticipate your moves yeah. and can figure right. out what you're up to before? And they ha- yeah. there was a couple of scenes where they did overpower him, and they did it by being really impulsive, like now, you know, right. jump yeah. now, and cause he he didn't have time to react, you know. And you know, one of the things I really um, think is funny about this episode is and and the character of Spock is that he is ruthless in this episode. He is he. His character, you know, well known for being emotionless and fighting his emotions, whatever little emotions he has. But this is an example of of that manifesting in a way that's sort of ruthless. You know, in all the other episodes, he's emotionless, and that helps him. It's sort of a positive thing for his personality. He's able to assess things without being scared. He's, he can do things without being jealous or without, you know, these bad, you know, these emotions that would deter his duty. But in this one, his lack of emotions manifests itself in this murderous ruthlessness. Like, you know, Captain, we should kill him before it's too late. <laughs> he just bluntly is like, yeah. we need to kill him right now. And Well, that's logical. It's very logical. That's what you have and, to do. And he was right, you know, if they had, they could right. have saved some lives and some time and everything. But there's one <laughs> shot that I really like where they're down on the planet and um, it's, it's Delta like Vega. They're down on yeah. They're down on Delta Vega, and um, Scott, you know, Kirk is talking to Scotty on the communicator, and he's like, and Scotty says, "Did Mister Spock get the phaser rifle we sent down?" And and Kirk is like, "I didn't order any." And right then, Spock walks in with this big ass <laughs> phaser rifle, and this really murderous yeah. look on his face, and he's like, "Okay, we yeah, we we got the phaser." Never rifle. mind. <laughs> Yeah. He's like ready to kill this guy. He he's like, "Okay, we're going to have to shoot him with this big old phaser cannon that I brought." And he's like He's almost a pre- it's almost a precursor to that later episode in later years where they go to that alternate universe yeah. and Spock has the, has the goatee. Yeah. You know, and he's like, yeah, so he's almost that kind of guy. Yes. But so then they, they have that great little moment, that kind of plot twist where Kellerman is kind of helping him and you find out she's also getting that same ESP power tripping. Right. So, so they're like, they've decided we can be together on this planet. And so... It becomes them, both of them together on the planet with their silvery eyes. Well, she's the one, too, that's saying things like, well, maybe this is a good thing. Maybe that the advance and you know, evolution is, uh, you know, an, an advanced, evolved mankind is a good thing. Why? Who's to say it's not good, you know? And then, of yeah. course, the, the response to that is, what about us people who don't have that? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It, it's uh, I love the uh, you know Delta Vega. I love that painting of the planet. You know the yes. uh, Albert the, Whitlock. You know, the, Albert Whitlock. Did oh that really? That's what Whitlock. Yeah. Mm. 
and he also did uh, some of the work on you know John Carpenter's The Thing, you yeah. know, the big spaceship, you yep. know, in the ice and stuff. So yeah, a really great look. Hand painted but, too, um, hand painted on glass. You know, it's it's a lost art. You don't people don't do that anymore. But movies that you know, like Indiana Jones and all these adventure movies where there's a temple or some sort of vast landscape or a castle on a hill, a lot of times it was done with what they call matte painting, which it's a simple thing. It's so much easier to explain than digital effect. They basically put a big sheet of glass in front of the camera, and mm-hmm. then you look through the camera, and then somebody would paint on the, the glass. And I mean, yeah. there's a little more to it than that, but basically what it is is you're putting a painting on a piece of glass in front of the camera, and the camera can see through the glass except for where the painting is. So it could be a castle up on a hill, or in this case, a, a painting of the planet with a little hole that was unpainted over on the right side, sort of, and then you can see Kirk and you know Shatner and Sally Kellerman standing there. And in fact, they were shooting this glass painting, and there was a hole in it, and Sally Kellerman and William Shatner were standing way far away, probably over in a parking lot or something at Paramount. And but it, you know it was shot in such a way that you could see them through the hole in the painting. It was really great, you know, great. Nicely done back then. <laughs> they did that yeah. was the only way they could do it. Yeah. Well, Mario Bava did that in Danger Diabolique, but yes, uh, yeah, and, uh, that was pretty cool stuff. But anyway, it's a hell of an episode, and um, yeah, it was very I fun. Do, yeah, and I just there's some great moments like when uh, towards the end when he's weakened and they realize they have to kill him, he kind of loses. You know, he, he comes back. Mitchell comes back for just like about five seconds. Yeah. Like, he loses the eyes. And he's just himself. And he's like Jim. You know, like. He re- he's back to his old self, Kirk's old friend for 20 years, and then it comes back stronger. It's just like there was, you know, some emotion there. Yeah. Know? It's like Reagan you know? at the end of The Exorcist, you know, when mm-hmm. <laughs> Damien Karras is beating her up on the floor, and she's, yeah. she turns into a little girl again. Yeah, yeah. So, um... And then at the end, you know, it's it's at the end like uh, he feel, you know, Kirk feels for what happened to both of them, so he he says you know something like you know in the performance of duty they lost their lives in the performance of their duty, which yeah. was kind of like a nice way of like okay Kirk is this you know he understood what really happened here it wasn't their fault you know right but there should be some sort of warning right about don't don't try to go through this barrier. <laughs> Should they put a buoy up or something or a sign? <laughs> a space buoy. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, we'll get back and we'll talk about uh, commendations and anomalies and other stuff right after this message. Do you want to do a podcast? I think you should. They're fun, but parts of it are kind of a little bit more difficult or weird for people who are creative if you're doing a creative podcast. So that's why... We use Buzzsprout. They take care of all the things that are sort of the um, the business, yeah, the kind of business end of doing a podcast. You know, like keeping you listed on all the major podcasting platforms. Uh, they give you a website that you can link to people. You can get people to listen to you. They track your statistics and your analytics. Buzzsprout is a great thing to do if you want to do a podcast, and that's what we do here at Cinemondo. Highly recommended. All right, we're back. So, hey, comm- that's the favorite part: accommodations <laughs> and anomalies. Yes. Or accommodations, not accommodations. Accommodations. Some accommodations for our Star Trek fans. <laughs> we'll be staying at the Hotel Sonesta in Burbank. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's very nice. Very, very glamorous. 
What do you think, Kathy? What was what are the positives? Uh, you know, I think my favorite moment so far, and I think it was my favorite moment in all the episodes that we've watched, was Kirk's acting when he's trying to control him and making him kind of spaz out on the planet, like in their big confrontation. Oh, There's yeah. this big moment where he's like kind of trying to make him, he's all making him do this weird stuff, and he's just like, ah! Like, totally he makes him get on his knees and put his hands oh, together God. like he's uh-huh. praying it to him. It was so, and, and Kirk just like struggling against it. So good. Yeah. I just couldn't get, I had to watch that three or four times. It was so good. So that I think that's clearly my most favorite thing so far in all the episodes, I think. Yeah, people people make fun of Shatner, but the guy did it. I mean, that's He's what committed. we Yeah. He was totally committed and that's what you love about Captain Kirk. Yeah, that's who he was and it's funny yeah. because I feel like no one else can do it that way and make it work. For some reason, that style of acting with that character is exactly what you want and when you need it. Perfect. Yeah, it so, is. I really liked it. It was great. That is a great shot scene. I I like uh this is such a, kind of a one-off again because it's sort of the second pilot, but it's kind of interesting. You see some other actors that were only in this show, you know, this episode and never seen again. Aside from Gary Lockwood and Sally Kellerman, you see briefly Lloyd Haynes, who was a f- familiar actor. He plays a character, Alden, African-American, and he's uh, he was in that show Room 222 and a bunch of other yeah. shows. He's in it for like two or three minutes. Uh, Yeoman Smith is played by Andrea Drum, who um, I went to my alma mater, University of Connecticut, but she was oh. all kinds of commercials in the 60s for Clairol, and, and she was like a big commercial kind Isn't of girl. Isn't she a she played, girl? She was one of those, yeah, yeah. She was one of those, and she played, she was only in it for once. Paul Carr played Lieutenant Lee Kelso, who I've seen in plenty of shows, too, and he's really good. I thought he was going to be a regular, but he dies in this one. I was like, man, I can't remember. Yeah. It was so wild. And then Paul Fix played the doctor, so it was his one time. Dr. Uh, Piper. Dr. Piper. Before. So I, it was just fun He's to no see bones. That. He's no bones. The bones comes in. <laughs> no and, bones and about it. All is right. Lights up I, the screen. I find it kind of interesting to watch these other ca- actors just for this one time come into this iconic show and just kind of, you know, add their little quirks to it. So. Yep. And also, there's a guy in there, another first appearance of this actor named Eddie Paskey, who who was in a lot of episodes of Star Trek. He's kind of well-known as the background guy who was sitting at the helm with Mr. Sulu a lot. And the camera would go past him, you know? <laughs> it's one of those things where the, <laughs> there'd be this great dolly shot through the bridge, and it would, it would come to him, and you think he's going to have a line, but nope, it goes past him <laughs> to Sulu or yeah. something. But he's in a lot, and his, I think his character later got a name, and he did have a couple of lines in a couple episodes, but he was uh, Lieutenant Leslie. Hmm. If you ever hear that, you're like, oh, that's Eddie Paskey. Yeah. So that it's uh, it's just interesting to see the differences of this. And, of course, you know, we talked about the uniforms and stuff like that. But then, <clears throat> but Standalone is a great episode, and you can tell why the show was picked up. I think it was just really yeah. smartly done and, uh, you know, quite different from the first one. And Shatner makes all the difference, Kirk. Yeah. You know, it's really wonderful. It just had a great look, what and about- it had a, had a really good... I mean, it had fights, it had fist fights, and people th- being thrown around and, and zapped by alien beams and all kinds of stuff. It was just... <laughs> it's jam-packed full of fun stuff. That's my commendation, is just the special effects. The, the, the zapping and the... They go to this weird color negative thing when they get zapped, and then, the, and then those silvery eyes. What a great, simple... Maybe not simple for the people wearing them, but as far as visually... Yeah. 
it's a it's a great effect for that era of television. You didn't really see that. I guess it was much. the eyes were actually did he say that actually crinkled aluminum foil between I don't lenses? think so. Uh, maybe I don't know what it, what they were made of really, but I think there was some kind of iridescent glass thing. They were probably very safe, you know, <laughs> made by yeah. a by a um, op, opt opt optometologist or whatever they well, call them say, when they build those eye things for actors. Yeah. But at the same time. Um, uh, it was actually a lens fabricator named John Roberts. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but, uh, but apparently, can you imagine? Because you know, um, contact lenses have come a long way. Yeah. And they were brutal even then, just normally. Yeah. So I can't imagine these special effects lenses must have been really, really harsh. Well, they didn't have the because soft they would ones. have to be kind of thick. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. So yeah. yeah. But they, but it was a great effect. It yeah. looks so good. Yes. Yeah. And yep. they both pull it off really well. Not and not just because they have the eyes on them, but they also did really good acting in those lenses, you know, where you can't yeah. see where your feet are when you're walking. <laughs> and you're, That's you, what it kind of reminds me like the um, the Mandalorian Mandalorian. Yes. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm becoming famous for how much I mispronounce it. <laughs> um, but how you have to act through this stuff that you, you yes. can't really see well. Like he's got this whole uniform and this this helmet on and he can't see, but he has to know exactly like what his um, his body looks like to convey an emotion. I feel like with this too, they, people had to act through these intense lenses and look comfortable with them. <laughs> so yeah. that yeah. had to be hard. And that's a that's a that is a way long ago thing from genre films. You know, when when a person is yeah. in monster makeup or a or some kind yeah. of a costume or uniform or whatever, where they where they're obscured, part part of their face is obscured or their eyes or something, and they have to act through that. And some of the classic performances, you know, Boris Karloff as the monster and Frankenstein and all, he had to figure out how to act through makeup like that. Sure. You know? Yeah. I used to go to an eye doctor who did all the lenses for like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and oh. Angel, and he had all the lenses like lined up on a shelf in his office. And like, this oh, is so that's cool. so... <laughs> only so in Hollywood. Hollywood yeah, I, I love that it's a little Hollywood story. <laughs> but did you guys notice it's, it's another? There's another happens. effect makeup thing in this where that they did on uh, Gary Lockwood, and it's a weird thing to notice. It's and I'm not really sure why they did it, but it was a an effect with his hair, and he had what looked like that kind of streaks and tips kind of sp spray hair color on the sides of his hair, so it looked like he was kind of going gray a little bit after he got the mm -hmm. transformation, but it was blue. There was kind of a blue tint to it. So I think they were trying to maybe imply that he was being mutated, physically mutated, not just his eyes, but that it was starting in his hair. And maybe if he had been let to, allowed to continue, maybe his hair would turn blue and his, you know, he'd become a full-on alien, you know? <laughs> That's funny. Well, or, they had to make or, it look different. Yeah. Or, or a punk star from 1981. Or right. <laughs> it suddenly has a mohawk. <laughs> but here's another thing that you guys may not know. I don't know. But uh, it's it's fun to imagine this. Can you even imagine that, you know, when the original actor who was in the, um, the original pilot decided not to return to the show for this second pilot, they had to find somebody else to play their captain. And they decided not to use the same name, Captain Pike. You know, they wanted to go with a different guy, different captain. So they came up, you know, Captain Kirk. But you know who almost ended up being Captain Kirk? Lloyd Bridges or Jack Lord. <laughs> Can you imagine? 
<laughs> I can see I can see Bridges. Yeah, Lloyd Bridges would have been a great captain, I, I think. Yeah. yeah, I could. Was he ever in it? It seems familiar. Like, I'm imagining was him he? in the show. Was he ever in I the show? Think so. I don't think so. No. no. He, he was in Sea Hunt. sequels? Sea Hunt. And then and Jack Maybe I'm thinking Sea Hunt. Jack Lord, of course. He's only he can, he can only be McGarrett, you know, yeah. At the head yeah. at the head of a boat, you know, right. in Honolulu Harbor, with the hair moving perfect just hair. perfectly. He's got, <laughs> you know, what I consider hair. to be the greatest head turn in uh, in <laughs> entertainment uh, history, is uh, in the opening gosh. credits of the original Hawaii Five O. Oh, there's the shot where it good. zooms in on the hotel building, and there's that shot of him on the balcony, and he does yeah. this head turn, and it's like that is so awesome. That's so television, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> but they so shot that in reverse. <laughs> yeah, they, they must have. have yeah, because yeah. his hair just lands perfectly. <laughs> so, what about anomalies? What didn't work for you guys? I can take. I can go. You want me to go? Go. I have an anomaly. Um, James Kirk. His uh, canon name has always been throughout all the series and all the movies and everything. James T. Kirk, and it was James Tiberius Kirk. But in this episode, there's a shot where. Um, you know, Gary Mitchell creates a, a tombstone for his friend Kirk and a grave. He like manifests this grave and a tombstone that, you know, because he's got these godlike powers. He's learning how to use them and he's he's learning how to fabricate props, you know. <laughs> and uh, so, <laughs> that's what you do when you're a genius and BSP. Yeah. <laughs> so he makes this tombstone that has Kirk's name on it, but oddly enough, it says James R. Kirk. And, of course, there's a lot of speculation on the internets and, and in the fandom world about why, you know, did he not know Kirk's middle name and just put that on there because it stands for Ratface or something because he hated <laughs> James thing. Kirk. Yeah. <laughs> like Rat Boy or something. But, <laughs> funny. But, you know, it's a it's an interesting uh, little anomaly. That's, a, that's a, a little anomaly that people talk about. And the dates on there, by the way, it says C1277.1 to 18. 18.7 so that was like his born you know Kirk was born on Stardate 1277.1 apparently so interesting. Do you think that was just a mistake or do you think it was some kind of little weird thing for well, you know, to figure you know out? what's funny I, I kind of figure I kind of you know having worked on shows like that where you have to make props where so, nobody's thought about what his middle name is you know what I mean it's probably never come up in the writer's room or something I worked on a show once where there were characters who had first names on the show for for many episodes, and then I had to make these props that showed like an ID card or something, and it had to show a last name. So I just went and made up two last names for these characters for their ID cards, and oddly enough, nobody questioned it, and it went through, and it got shot, and it ended up in the show, and those became those characters canon last names for the next however many seasons of the show and anything you see now wow. subsequently is um it features those last names of, of, of that show you know so i don't i kind of don't want to say the name of the show or else producers of the show will know that i i did that do you get, but, do you get residuals <laughs> for naming naming two characters <laughs> you'll never work in this town again i get like a quarter of a cent every century exactly. sure I'll for writer's it. credit <laughs> I wrote two words in that show. <laughs> I just found a, a note that um, that apparently Gene Roddenberry, uh, when the mistake was discovered, yeah. he said 
he has godlike powers, but he made a mistake. Yeah. Well, that's a. <laughs> so it's like that's the that's same good... time. Why put a middle initial at all? Right. If you, I mean, <laughs> just don't. More gravestony. <laughs> so many problems. But you know, it's a it's a name that de- demands a middle initial. Yeah. James T. Kirk. Yes. Michael yeah. J. Fox. Right. But James R. Kirk does not roll off the tongue. <laughs> James R. Right. Kirk. <laughs> that's a good one. That's that's good to point out. One, one thing I'll one thing I'll say was kind of interesting. Like on the close-ups of Kirk, I noticed I said, "Boy, he's got a shitload of makeup on." Like it was really caked on. <laughs> and I was just reading about that. What happened? The shooting was delayed a few days in 1965, and evidently there was a wasp's nest high oh, in the rafters. About, and when they started shooting, the wa- that was disturbed, and they came down, and they, you know, they were um, a lot of the uh, cast was stung as a result, and Kirk got really stung all over the place. Jeez! And God. so covering up his wasp stings with yeah. this heavy makeup on his face, because if you watch some of this, you go, "My God, it looks like he's really caked on." Like early early episodes of Dick Van Dyke looks like you know it was like it got he got the powder uh, you know powder puff right yes. in the face. Yeah. It looked like that in this. So, okay, it's because they were covering up um, wasp stings. I've actually so. been on sets with wasp. Now, there's those old buildings, those old set buildings have these high rafters, you know, where they have the the uh, catwalks up there where the folks hang the lights from you know and yeah. there it's all this old wood and it's it dates back to the silent film era sometimes and if you go up there sometimes you'll see these gigantic nests of things <laughs> up there you know it's pretty scary oh God. Wow. like you know a wasp nest that was there for you know Lillian Gish's The Wind you know <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, there's. I can imagine wasps. I've worked on sets where rattlesnakes come in on the set and they have to cut because the actors are looking down at a rattlesnake on the floor. I've Jeez. I've had that happen a few times, and I've had Please to build. Please, someone a, remove. A rattles. I built. I was the rattlesnake remover on set. I was going to ask, who's the rattlesnake? <laughs> I was the guy because I was the only person on set that wasn't screaming and crying. You didn't hurt him though. No, I built a thing out of a, a piece of PVC pipe with a with a string like a rope through it. That came out the other end, so that you could make a new, you know, like a noose thing. You grab them around the neck, and we were shooting out in, you know, out in Santa Clarita, and uh, so it was just I just went out the back door and you know went out into the desert and let them go. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, that's cool. But it was fine. There were a couple of times where literally they were shooting, and suddenly the actress is looking down at the floor, going, "Oh my God, (laughs) there's a rattlesnake." (laughs) I'm surprised they're just looking. I think most people would get a scream and run away. They jumped up on a chair or something. (laughs) Is that real? Yep, that's a real (laughs) rattlesnake. Hold on, I'll get it. (laughs) Oh, let me get that test out of here. Don't want to screw up the take, you know. Yeah, that's the glamour of Hollywood, though. It's part of it, you know. (laughs) Snakes out here. That's right. So, uh, just to be a broken record again, the the way women are treated on this show, (laughs) because I'm going to say that about every single episode. Oh, yeah. Um. Kellerman Lisa's wearing pants, which yep. is interesting. The, the uniforms were pants. Um, I I thought it was interesting. I think she had a line. I'm paraphrasing. I don't know exactly, but she says something like, "Women professionals overcompensate." I know you don't particularly like me, Mr. Mitchell, but since I am assigned here, can we make the best of it? <laughs> I've got nothing against you, Doctor. Or against the walking freezer unit. Well, yeah. Uh, sorry about that. Women professionals do tend to overcompensate. Now let's talk about you. So I'm like, well, that's like probably one of the most like 
you know, forward thinking comments I think I've heard that still holds true today. Um, but you know, that that's always kind of painful seeing the way they were kind of blowing her up, like, oh, she's a woman in here. Oh, who's a walking refrigerator they're unit, all just, I think he says yeah. at one point. Yeah, yes. yes. She didn't yeah. respond just, to know, his bad pickup line. Right. right. So they're all trying to pick up on her and she's just like, Oh my god. But you know, she has ESP, so right. um but, but there's she was a super cool about creepy. it. I mean, she blows no, them off. No, she was and very turns her back she was on used it. To. <laughs> yes. yes, she was, apparently this happens a lot, and that's how you handle it, and that's why she had these lines ready. But um, I think the scene where Lockwood is kind of controlling her mind, and he's sort of he's trying to make a move on her, yeah. so he's basically kind of forcing her to make a move on him was super creepy yes. and kind of rape, kind of rapey. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm not liking where this is going. But you know, of course, it doesn't quite go there, but it kind of was. It puts um, that thought in your mind, and you're thinking. Oh yeah, you know, if he could do that, he could do that, you know. It was it was right. creepy. And then of course he turns her and then you're thinking, well, now she's over. Um but yeah, so that was, you know, it's 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 interesting to see them, you know, it's hard to watch, but at the same time they address it. Again, you know, there's the two sides to Star Trek. We see women being treated badly and we see a woman treating, you know, giving him as good as she got so you know she fought back a little and she was very she was you know they cast a woman as being the really smart scientist with ESP on the show and uh, you know that was cool and she was very she was really good on it and yeah. I loved her hair <laughs> so, yeah very cool yeah. haircut huh? yeah she had a very she, cool yeah. haircut it was, she I thought, really good I thought it might be direct, uh, written by DC Fontana who, who's a, a woman but it wasn't it was directed by Samuel A. Peoples written who, by uh, directed right? I mean, I'm sorry, written, written, uh, and um, who also did other episodes and also some of the, you know, the animated series. So he was sort of a, a Star Trek, you know, a writer. Of, but I think, you know, overall, your points are well taken. But she's, I think, a strong character and, yeah. you know, comes off very well. You know, she puts up with the shit yeah. from the guys, you know. Doesn't end well for her, but not her fault. Not her fault. And, but there was also the eye candy blonde who was yep. you know, at, at Kirk's side, you know, uh, Yeoman Smith. Yeah. Who's, the, who's there with the, uh, you know, the, you know the, the tea and sugar cubes or whatever right. she had. You know. Here's your tea, sir. <laughs> it's like his little servant on the side. Yeah. yeah. I'll see you back in the quarters. You know, that stuff. <laughs> you just imagine that to be said. You know. He's only human. <laughs> <laughs> well, she was, she became Janice Rand, you know, and, uh, yeah. Who was also sort of, I think, in this one, um, S- Smith was her name, right? Yeah, yeah. She's is she wearing pants too? I think she's wearing pants, right? I think she's wearing pants. Yes. The the, the woman's uniform at this point, and then they switched over to the mini skirts. You know. Yes. I know the women get these these you know high end jobs, but they have to wear the short skirts. So right. there's sort of the trade off, the two sides <laughs> of Star Trek. This one is also before um, Uhura is is the communications officer. There's a guy sitting over there in this episode. Right. right. No singing. No singing. Yeah, no this no time. singing. <laughs> <laughs> but I really liked it. I thought it was a really strong episode. It's a strong one. It's it's a very memorable one because for me, I think those two guest stars are really good in it, and they really sort of, ca- in many ways, carry it. In a way, Kirk is almost a supporting character. Yeah. I mean, he's the lead guy, but he's not like it's yeah. really focuses on Gary Mitchell and uh, Doctor Daner as like the two. They're yeah, the main they characters. Kind of sold you know? the show. Yeah. 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 Sure. Hard to do with Shatner in the room, but yeah. they did it. <laughs> and like Except you said, it scene. had some really good, uh, some locations. I mean, they go to a planet. They have stuff on the 
on the ship on on board the ship that's pretty cool scary suspenseful they go through a barrier in the universe there's a great special effect and again we have to mention i guess we mentioned this in every one we we are watching the episodes that have the newly sort of um tweaked special effects the original special effects on the show were really good for their time but you can tell they kind of had some limitations with their budget and their time. And, you know, I know how that stuff works. They didn't have enough time. They didn't get to do what they really wanted to do. And it's <laughs> kind of sad. You can just tell. You know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, the spaceship model itself is gorgeous, of course. But you can, you can just tell that they wish. I know those guys. I feel like I know them. You know, <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, I wish we could have done this. And I wish we could have done that. So these new updated special effects that they did somewhat recently, I think are are done in the right spirit. I know some people reject them and they say it's not right to tweak with the masterpiece and all that, but I think they were done in the right spirit and they were done in a in a way that that doesn't look jarring. They don't look like they don't belong. I think these new special effects work. Uh, that's my opinion. Yeah. And that's how people are going to see him on Star Trek. They're going to see on Netflix, they'll see Star Trek with the tweaked effects. And I think it'll be a little less painful and antique looking for people, too. I mean, if you're going to give them the kind of, you know, retro, you know, acting and the costumes, you can give them a little more polished effect. They, Like you said, they still have the spirit of the show. Yeah. They're not like all of a sudden it cuts to like, you know, Battlestar Galactica TV series level. Right. It's like still has the spirit. So I, I, it was, we're pretty seamless. I thought. Yeah. And I we're think- watching it on, we're watching it on 1080p or, you know, we're not yeah, watching it on the old, you know, old school television, you know, tube TV. So it's just going to, it almost demands it. I yeah. think, you know, if it's done tastefully. Oh, and- tube TVs. <laughs> remember those? Nope. I'm not that old. Uh, <laughs> nope. I don't remember well, that at all. Oh, I remember very well. well. The budget, the budget, the budget for this one's three hundred thousand and which is half the amount for the uh, first pilot which was you know over a half a million so they had because they had to build everything for that first pilot they had to build the models and build the props and make the the costumes and stuff right 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 pre-production cost and this one they were reusing a lot of the stuff from that original pilot and then after this episode um you know, I guess once they got picked up by the network, they got a little bit more money and they got to redo their costumes. And then then they were like, okay, let's make some really awesome looking uh, phasers and communicators and props. And they built a few more. There's a few more sets that they had and a few more um, things in the bridge that happened. And they took out some stuff. They took out those weird gooseneck um, lamp things that everybody had. <laughs> And a few more things that got rid of on the bridge, streamlined the bridge a little bit. and, and They were uh, very War of the Worlds, those things, you know, like I always thought of the War yes. of the Worlds monsters, you know. One thing that's interesting, too, and then I'll, I'll stop about these, these ridiculous details, but there's one characteristic from this point on through all of the Star Trek properties, I think, all of them, in that all the men have a, hair, a, a hairstyle thing. There's like a little hairstyle thing which is pointy sideburns yeah oh, and that's it's it. something futuristic some people don't even notice that but f- this episode kirk had the really you know standard 60 1966 uh straight across cut on his uh, sideburns but from this point on all the rest of the episodes he's got pointed um sideburns and so does every other guy it seems you know probably almost every other guy it's it's almost like that's Starfleet um, regulation. 
Well, F- uh, Floyd the Enterprise Barber right. can only do it one way. You know? <laughs> he only has pinking <laughs> shears. It is funny to think about. There probably is like a, a like a salon or a barber shop on the ship because somebody got to keep that hair tight. I imagine yeah. it's some kind of a big helmet apparatus that you put on and you <sighs> you know and it goes yeah bzz, true like Jetson style and then you take it off and Everybody's you have a haircut. Hair is the same. And there's like no, two settings. How, there's like how human and then there's Vulcan. <laughs> and the Vulcan setting gives you those bangs. I think also, Vulcan probably the hair doesn't even grow. Right. I think it's just it's like not just hair. hair. That's just the way it is. There's, just gr- there's also greater clearance over the ears. Yes. For the Vulcan, for the right. Vulcan setting, you know. Well, the be- ears are very high. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. Well, it's another. That's a great. I would consider that a, you know a, a, a way above average episode as well. Yeah, I, I always remember. So it's um, it's one I of mean, the these classics. First two episodes. If you're not hooked, I would be shocked because yeah. this. You know, there's been just like four in a row now that have all been really great and fun to yeah. watch. Yeah. And yeah when, know, when's the first stinker? Like I'm when not is... regretting doing this at all. Yeah. <laughs> this is really fun. <laughs> there's hardly any stinker, but there are some stinkers. I have to tell there you, are there's some a stinkers. there's a couple of real ones that I just don't really enjoy yeah. or get. Well, you know, habits. But we get there's there. some coming up. There's some coming up that I think are among the best things ever produced for television. Quite honestly, there's a couple of episodes well, that I think are know, just that really good, <laughs> solid writing written by you know acknowledged geniuses and stuff like that. You know, it's good stuff. I think we're going to have fun. So I hope you keep keep listening because, you know, we're going to keep doing this. for all. How many total Star Trek episodes are there? 799. <laughs> okay. No. There's, what is, how many episodes of Star Trek are there's there? There's probably three seasons, so maybe 70. Something 75? like that. Like maybe 80 or something, I think, because they did a little bit and more. You, per- and you guys don't want to do the animated series? I'm watching all of those. <laughs> you know what? Once we get done with these... <laughs> Maybe. Oh, quiet <laughs> right now. Kathy's got those silver things in her eyes. You know, she's <laughs> trying to find she's control. Trying to go, she's she's not want to do over. this. <laughs> There's 79 episodes of Star Trek. 79. Okay. Yeah, okay we can do that. We can sure. do it. I'm up Absolutely. for that. And they're it's great fun. It is. They're so, fun to talk about. They're fun to explore and examine because there's so many little details in each episode and little quirks and, and oddities and things. And they're and they're fun to watch again and again because everybody yeah. who's listening has probably watched these. I hopefully they've watched them. They haven't. They should. But so it's just fun to watch them again. Yeah. Because they are so. Why don't Abram likes them so much? Yeah. Exactly. And why they why people are still making Star Trek shows? You know, they're still. Well, maybe after this, we'll do Star Trek Next Generation. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, see, that's uh, how I feel about the animated thousands of but it's episodes. Actually, good. We should try it. Oh yeah, they they all have something. You know, I even like Voyager. I mean, I I got into watching Voyager once, and it was like, you know what? This is a fun show. It's got good characters and fun adventures. I like anthology shows. This series is a classic anthology. Each episode is a self-contained story. You can watch them out of order, and it's fine. Um, I like that. I think I miss that in television because now it seems like all television shows have to be this continuous story. You have to start at episode one, and if you miss an episode, you're messed up because you don't know why so and so is in prison now. You know what I mean? Yeah, but they're so easy to binge now. There's really no reason not to watch them in order. Yeah, there's but, twenty. There's twenty-seven seasons of Murder She Wrote, Burke. Yeah. <laughs> Fifteen of Supernatural. I'm just saying. But I do, that's one do of the things it. I like about the original series is anthologies. It's, it's stories. They're like short stories, science fiction short stories. 
All right. This was fun. We'll do it again next time. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, everyone, for joining us and for listening to uh, Cinemondo Explores Star Trek. Now you go explore Star Trek. <laughs> That's a good one. And good get one. back to us. <laughs> Let us yeah, know. Yeah, That's your sign off. There. <laughs> Let us know how right we are about about our <laughs> our, our observations. Oh, right. <laughs> how right we are. Yes. No oh, one's wow. allowed to disagree with us. All right. See you next time. Take Here, it easy. Thank you. Bye. Cinemondo warping out. <laughs>